I had a dream this past week that I was late for church on a Sunday morning. It's a recurring dream, like the ones I used to have about being late for school or showing up to a final exam without having studied. In the dream, the reason I'm late is because I slept through my alarm clock. The way it goes is that I'm lying in bed and I have a sudden feeling that it's late in the morning, like there's too much light coming in through the windows. And I sit bolt upright, scramble to grab my phone, and discover to my horror, it is 11 o'clock. Now this is the first part of the dream that's completely unbelievable. With a toddler in a house, even if I were to sleep through my alarm, there's no way I'm getting past 7 a.m. Anyway, as my dream self sits up, hyperventilating on the edge of the bed, a cold sweat erupts through every inch of my body, both in the dream and in reality, and my mind starts to race. Can I salvage being this late? Like, do, do I even go? <laughs> Who do I call? My body goes into full-on panic mode, and I wake up to discover, by the grace of God and to my relief, it's still quite dark outside. My phone says it's 4 a.m., but of course, the adrenaline is already pumping, and going back to sleep is not going to be an easy task. So then begins the debate. Is it better to fight for another hour or so of incredibly restless sleep, or call it a night and get an early start on the day? The thing about the morning is that whether or not we're ready for it, it comes just the same. Sometimes it feels like dawn takes forever to arrive on those especially restless nights when we're tossing and turning all night and just ready for it to be over, checking the clock repeatedly. Those seconds pass like minutes, and the minutes pass like hours. Sometimes, and maybe more often than not, though, the dawn arrives long before we are ready for it. We look at the clock, and the hours are flying like seconds. The light starts to break in through the blinds way too soon, maybe right when that dream is getting good and the bed is so warm, or when you've burned the candle at both ends for yet another night. I realize for some of us who are used to working the night shift or maybe some odd hours, this experience lands a little differently. Maybe your day begins three hours before sunrise, or maybe it begins at sunset. And even though others are still in their beds or on their way, your body knows it's time to get up. Whatever the start of your day looks like, morning has a way of arriving whether or not we're ready for the night to be over. And when it arrives, morning places a kind of demand on us. The day is here. It's time to get up, get moving, meet the day. Time to take a shower, put on clothes, and Lord have mercy, make some coffee. This is the way that Paul talks about preparing for the coming of Jesus into our world. Christ's coming salvation arrives like the dawn, and it's nearly here. Now is the time to rise up and meet it. You know what time it is, Paul says. It's time to wake up, for the night is gone and the day is near. And as darkness gives way to the dawning light, we are called to live in the light. Lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The dawn Jesus brings invites us into his way of life, in his light. Jesus is our daytime clothes. 
We live in his light by taking on his way of life, loving one another as he loved us, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, for love is the fulfilling of the law, Paul tells us. This season of Advent is a time of waiting and preparing for God's love, the light of the world, to break into the long darkness of our wintry nights, to cast out every cold shadow and fill us with its light, warmth, and brightness. We wait and prepare in this season for the Christ who once came as a child born in a humble manger and who is coming again in glory. So there are, in truth, two advents, the light of his first coming and the light of his second, and we live our lives of faith in between those two advents of Christ, like we're living in the night between two days. His light has come, and it will come again. And in fact, the dawn of his light is already breaking into our world wherever love's light is shining. The night is truly fading, and the day is truly near. So put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on light. Put on love. And lean into the light you long to see dawning. That's the Christian life, according to Paul. In this twilight, as the night is passing and the day is coming, lean into the light. Lean into the dawn. As I was thinking about the dawn this past week, I started doing some research and found out that there are technically different types of dawn, different ways of marking that transition between night and day. According to dateandtime.com, there are three kinds of dawn, civil, nautical, and astronomical. And these are very technical differences, so bear with me. They have to do with how many degrees the center of the sun is below the horizon of the earth. You didn't know we were doing geometry this morning. The moment before astronomical dawn is complete darkness. The center of the sun is 18 degrees below the horizon of the earth. Nautical dawn is a little bit brighter. The center of the sun is a little higher, only 12 degrees below the horizon of the earth. And then there's civil dawn, which is probably more of what we're used to calling the dawn. There's more light coming across the sky. The center of the sun is only 6 degrees below the center, below the horizon of the earth. See, I learned something, and now you know something that I can't unknow. Civil, nautical, and astronomical dawns. But I wanted to cover my bases on this. So I checked with the Jewish rabbinic tradition and found a conversation between a rabbi and his students that sheds some more light on the subject and suggests another kind of dawn altogether. Story goes that a rabbi once asked his students, how can we determine the hour of dawn? when the night ends and the day begins. One student who was brave enough to try and answer first suggested, when from a distance you can tell the difference between a dog and a sheep. (laughs) No, came the answer of the rabbi. A second student chimed in, is it when you can tell the difference between a fig tree and a grapevine? No, said the rabbi. Please tell us then, said the students. And the wise teacher replied, The dawn is when you can look into the face of another human being, and you have enough light in you to recognize a brother or a sister. 
Until then, it is night and darkness is still with us. What strikes me about the students' answers is that they had to do with telling the difference between things. They had to do with with discrimination in the most technical sense of that word, of judging the difference between things, discriminating between a dog and a sheep, a fig tree and a grapevine. The rabbi's answer was not about discrimination. It was about recognition. The dawn, he says, is when you have enough light in you to recognize in the face of another person, not a stranger, not an enemy, not an other, but recognize a family resemblance to see a brother or a sister. Now, it's not that we don't have our differences in our family. We have plenty. You may have been reminded of some of these this past week. It's about having enough light in us not to judge one another by our differences, to discriminate, but to recognize that our differences do not keep us from being family, from being brothers and sisters. That's the dawn of lights. That's the dawn of love's light, breaking through the cracks in our hearts and shining out into our lives. Leaning into the light of that kind of dawn is about learning to see in a totally new way. It's about recognition recognizing a new way of being brought together in love as a family. Recognition. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothing? When was it that you were sick or in prison and we visited you? Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. The parable Jesus tells us about his judgment at his second advent is a parable of recognition. It's about recognizing that the two great commandments, to love God and to love neighbor, ultimately merge into one love as we love Christ our God through our love for the least of these. It's about learning to recognize not only the face of Jesus in the faces of the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned, but also the faces of his family, the least of these who are members of his family and therefore members of our family if we would be members of his This has been one of my favorite passages of scripture for my entire adult Christian life, and I know I'm not alone in that in this room. I know we as a congregation love this parable of the last judgment because the way it energizes the calling we feel to mission, to service and love for the least of these, where we recognize the presence of Jesus. But this parable is so powerful Because it gives us a new way to recognize not only Jesus, but also the church, these members of his family. During my first field placement in seminary, I was a chaplain in an urban ministry in Greensboro, North Carolina. Did a lot of different things there alongside the other couple of chaplains who worked alongside me. Served in the soup kitchen, helped lead chapel every day, preached sermons, led Bible studies, led support groups. And one of the things we chaplains took turns doing was attending the Narcotics Anonymous meeting on Thursday nights. 
This meeting was made up of the male residents currently living at that urban ministry's homeless shelter. The first time I attended, I didn't know what to expect as a young seminarian. But if there was one thing I kind of assumed, it was that I was going to be there as a spiritual resource for anyone in need. I was going to be the chaplain, the representative of the church. I was going as the light in the dark. As the meeting got going, I started to see how backwards that was. As these men started sharing their stories of addiction, loss, and pain, I realized I was sitting in a circle of members of Christ's family, the sick and imprisoned, who knew the chemical, psychological, and physical kinds of imprisonments that come with addiction. And as they shared their stories, my eyes adjusted and I began to recognize something new. I saw people confessing their sins. I saw people assuring each other of forgiveness and pointing to a better way to live. I saw people encouraging and challenging one another while also accepting each other without judgment. I saw people embracing one another in love. And in that great sharing and fellowship, I saw a holy communion. Friends, I saw the church. And I recognized that Jesus didn't need me to bring him or the church with me that night. He and his church were already there. Church family, here's what I want to leave you with this morning. An invitation to meet the dawning light as it breaks into our world, to meet it with love, and to recognize that as we lean into this dawning light, it's not just action we're invited to. It's communion. We meet Christ in communion, to be sure, at this communion table. But we also meet him and his church in communion at the tables in our fellowship hall on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. There is a dawning light of Christ that we bring with us, but the light of his church is also already there before we arrive. Here at the end of the year, we have to turn in our statistical report to Presbytery, presenting, among other things, our membership and average worship attendance. And I know this isn't what Presbytery is looking for, but I'd love to be able to report in those figures the attendance we have at Church Street Cafe, because that's the church too. That's Jesus shining his light among us through the communion of his love. We meet Christ in communion every time we recognize in each other's faces a family resemblance and share Christ's peace as brothers and sisters. We meet Christ in communion whenever we recognize that no walls could ever contain the church of Jesus and no wall should ever come between members of his family. The night is far gone and the day is near. Lean into the the dawning light of Christ this Advent season. Lean into love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.